I am a recovered alcoholic and an addict. I'm in my 14th year. And uh, these are the, uh, the happy days. Um, because uh, as everyone knows, when we were in our addictions, sometimes it's good, but mostly it's not good. And uh, I try to control my uh, addiction on my own. Um, because I'm a strong-willed person, I thought, you know, since I have strong will in other parts of my life, I thought I could uh, control my alcohol consumption and my my drug use. And I could control it for a little while, you know, stop for a little while, but not stop, stop. And uh, finally, uh, it came to the point where uh, I was, uh, I didn't want to go into no 12-step program. That, that's for sure. Uh because I didn't think I had a problem. And I thought I had a, you know, a problem once in a while I'd have a problem or I'd have a mixing problem. I would mix the wrong amount of alcohol with the wrong amount of drugs and uh, oh, I didn't have success that time. But maybe next time it'll be that magic that I had in the beginning. And I was always wanting to uh, recapture the magic of the first, the first times. And as the, the big book tells you, tells us, tells me that this is a progressive disease and it got progressively worse. So I didn't want to go to the 12 step. And uh, so what, uh, what was the compelling event was um, uh, my, my former wife, uh, the mother of our kids, she said to me, says, you're going to go into a 12 step program and recover or, uh, or we're going to leave. And she meant it because she said, I mean it, we're, I'm not putting up with this. And uh, I wasn't able to make that decision on my own. So to have the decision put there with a little bit of fear, uh, I said, yeah, I'm in. And uh, I didn't know what the 12 step was all about. I remember, you know, you see in the movies, right? They have those scenes, a 12 step scene where there's a meeting and there's a, uh, uh, someone who's leading the meeting. It's usually a guy, you know, with a, with a goatee and a ponytail. And then everyone's sitting around in a circle. And it's a dark, kind of darkly lit. And they're all, they're all talking about their problems. And I go, bunch of losers. I'm not joining that. But anyway, I was uh, made to go. And when I made that decision, which was made for me, the decision, uh, I felt a huge relief, like a weight just dropped off. When I said, yes, I'm going, I'm going to stop and I'm going to go. The weight just came off. So I went in there with my, with my uh, strong will. And I remember the first meeting in Montreal. Um, uh, and I remember going into the back of the church and, and I could hear in the basement, I could hear the choir singing beautiful songs. And then uh, uh, I could hear down the hallway the laughter of those of those AAs and those NAs. And I, I, I followed the laughter. I went to the opening into the room and I looked in and there were people in there, tables. And I, I stepped half a foot in and they saw me. I saw, I saw them and they looked at me and I looked at them and they said, hey, a nouveau, you know, come on in, you know, fresh meat. Um, so, so I went in and I sat down. It's just like any 12-step meeting. 
you know, the way it's set up and you have the slogans on the wall and the 12 steps are up there on the wall and they pass the paper around and you read things and, uh, you know, moment of silence, all that. This is my first time. And I remember, you know, seeing those 12 steps up on the wall there and they were passing them around and they read them. And I remember I looked at those 12 steps and I said, yep, I agree with all of them. And, and I thought by agreeing with them, you know, they were done. So the, the first time I did the 12 steps, it took me, you know, five minutes to do them. And then I went on like that for two years. One meeting a week, no sponsor or no pathfinder. And uh, no God, because God was busy. You know, I believed in God, but I thought God was busy taking care of uh, other things and I was low on the priority and uh, I had a big book but I didn't really read it I thought Bill's story was a little boring but it was there for show you know I had it right on the night table so I could show her like look look I'm doing an AA book and uh, so you know uh, I couldn't stay stopped and nothing changed, that's for sure. The only thing that changed is I was, wasn't drinking. And uh, I wasn't using. And I was living in fear. I was in this protected environment at home. And uh, fear of losing my family. And then we we separated. And now I'm living alone. And I can do whatever I want. And I thought, okay, great. You know, I'm still going to, you know, do what I want. Uh, but this whole time I'm drinking uh, the 0, 0.0 beer. I'm drinking this the whole time, those two years. Never ran out, never got low, never ran out, never got low. Sound familiar? Never run out, never get low. And while I was traveling to see, to br bring the kids back and forth from Tremblant to Ottawa, uh, Mama was very nice, right? She kept some of that stuff in the fridge for me when I would visit. I would go Friday night, we'd have supper, I'd sleep on the couch, and I'd go home the next morning. And then there was that one time. That one time where I went into the fridge, and there wasn't any. And something went in my head, and I was uncomfortable because there wasn't any. And I just kind of shook it off. But that night, I woke up midnight. And I said, I got to get out of here. I got to go downtown. I got to find somebody. And I have to find something. And, you know, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be just like the first time. And I'm just going to get out of my out of my system this one time. And tomorrow, I will go back to AA. I drove around and around and around. I didn't find anybody. And that's, that feeling of insanity, you know, that, that mental blind spot, that lasted 25 minutes. And at the end of that 25 minutes of driving around looking for it, I, it's like coming out of a dream going, oh my Lord, what have I, what just happened there? I almost went out. And I tell you, I didn't call anybody. I didn't pray. I, I, I put my hands on the wheel when I was leaving her place. And I said, God, I'm going. And that was it. And then two weeks later, same thing. Didn't find any. Now I'm realizing that, okay, I, maybe I don't have this. Maybe I need some help, you know? And this is this is bottom. This is the 
I used to think bottom was lose, 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 lose the job, lose the health, lose the finances, lose the family, lose, and then I'm going to go to AA. Well, the, that's not bottom. That can contribute to bottom, but that's not bottom. Those are outside circumstances. Hitting bottom, that's an inside job. And that's where I went. That, that second time I went, oh boy, I don't have this. I need to stop. I need help. I need like H-E-L-P help, his ever loving presence type help, you know? And I need to find, you know, a sponsor, a S-P-O-N-S-O-R, sober person offering newcomer suggestions on recovery. And I, so now I'm realizing I got to go get help. I got his help and I got to find a sponsor. First thing I did was go to the, find the sponsor. I found the sponsor. And um, he uh, he asked me some questions, you know, what's your problem? Oh, this is my problem. He said, no, no, you're the problem. Do you believe in God? I said, yes. Do you think he can help you? I'm not sure. This is, and he asked me, and do you think your God can help you with this? And you know, it occurred to me, I said, you know what? I think he can. Because when I was out there, trying to kill myself it had to be god keeping me alive that's not a coincidence you know that time when i was drunk driving and i went between two cars like this like one that way one that way come on um so i said yeah i i think he can he says great let's ask him so we we read the, the step three prayer page 63 i said it's okay ask him i read him and he gave me homework and i went through the steps like that so you know, to, let's get to the pathfinder part. So he's my pathfinder now, right? So I asked him for help. He, you know, we have a contract. And the contract was three questions. He says, Norm, are you willing to go through the full process of the 12 steps with me? And I said, yes. And then he said, are you willing to do whatever it takes to stay sober? I said, Yes. And then the big one, he says, Norm, after you have a spiritual experience, a spiritual awakening, a personality change as a result of doing these 12 steps, are you willing to carry the message and sponsor men one after another? And I went, I said, yes. He says, we're not going to, you know, we'll get there. But I said, yes, I'm willing. He says, great. Write that in the front of your book, right? Right, the contract there, oh, it's covered up right now. But um, write that in the front of your book. And when I call you and you're slipping on your homework, I'm going to ask you to read that contract back to me. I said, okay, boss. And here, then he assigned me the homework. He said, look, we're, you know, you got to read this from the first page where it says the the story of how many uh, thousands of men and women have recovered from alcoholism read that read this write a note or write a page or two and get back to me he said you've got 48 hours and then he walked out of the room and he didn't even say bye how he goes so now i've got my stack of books got my homework i got a sponsor i'm gonna do the work because i'm afraid of him and i'm like okay let's go and so we did the steps like that boom 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 it took us i don't know five six weeks of doing this 
And then, uh, then when uh, I'm most of the way, halfway through step nine, he says, okay, Norm, the next meeting you go to, I want you to find the roughest, toughest looking biker with tattoos on his face and sponsor him. I do what he tells me to do because I trust him. But I, I wasn't like, why did he ask me to do that? Like, why did he ask me to do that? It's because I don't like bikers. I, I don't. And he knows this because he did my fifth step, right? And uh, so I said, okay, fine. And he told me, I'm like, how do I do it? He says, well, it's in chapter seven. And just, just tap him on the shoulder. Go for a coffee. Tell him how screwed up you were. Don't mention the God thing right away because you might ruin a good chance to help someone. And then at some point, he's going to interrupt you and say, yeah, me too, man. And then you're going to say, well, do you need help? Because I can help you. Because I need to take men through the 12 steps to stay sober. I need to do that to stay sober. So here we go. I go to this meeting. It's a spontaneous, you know, those meetings where you go last 10 minutes, you're like, I got 10 minutes to get there. I'm going right now. So I go banking first or something like that. And, uh, you know, I'm sitting in the front row and uh, the meeting starts and uh, I look around and I'm like, great, <laughs> no bikers. <laughs> and, uh, oh, and then this guy comes in late, you know, and he's got a cane and he's got a leather coat and he's bald and he's got tattoos on his face. He has a motorcycle right here and there's an empty seat right next to me. And he sits down there and he looks at me and he goes, hi, my name's Richie. I'm new. <laughs> I shook his hand and I said, hey, man, you want to go for a coffee after? And we went and that was the first man, sponsor number one. And since then, it's been one after another. Sometimes two, sometimes three. And then Lori, my wife, says, no more sponsees till October. Okay? Calm down. Because, you know, I want to I wanna save them all. And it's not about saving them. Because I can't. <laughs> he can, but I, all I can do is give him a contract, set up meetings and see if he shows up and see if he's willing to do this and then help him get to God. And sometimes it works and it's beautiful. Uh, and sometimes it does not work. And, and I remember in the early days, um, the first six all slipped, all of them. And like some of them were way up there, step 10, you know, and I, and I call my sponsor, Mark, Mark Spearin, and I say, Hey, Mark, they're all slipping, you know, what do I do? What's going on? It's this norm. Heart attacks are part of heart disease. Grand mal seizures are part of the disease of epilepsy and slips are part of the disease of, of alcoholism. He says, ask them. 
what were you thinking just before you went out? You know, and ask them, do you want to get back on the horse? Let's start from the beginning. Maybe we missed something, you know? And so with some of those guys that slipped, they did come back and they did recover. And uh, some of these men, they were at the bottom. And, uh, you know, I remember one of one of my men there, I call them my men. <laughs> uh, one of my men, uh, Pathfindees, I guess. What do you guys call them? Um, he, uh, when I met him, he had just come out of hospital and, and he had uh, said to me, and I've seen him in and out, he says, you know, the, before I went into the hospital, I woke up uh, by the paramedics with bottles all around me in my bachelor apartment. And the first thing I thought was, it didn't work because he had tried to drink himself to death. So to be to be his pathfinder, where he is now, he's he's got his own business. His family's back. He has good relations with his former wife. Um, he's got a number of sponsees. He's the happiest guy, you know, and um, to be, to go from dead man walking, because he was, he was a dead man. He was this far from death. He wanted death. And I asked him, I saw him in a meeting. And when I saw this guy in the meeting on the Zoom meeting, you know, when the light is behind you and in front, you can't see, you just see a shadow. This was this was Darcy. He was a shadow, you know. And uh, and I I invited him to to talk to meet with me. And then uh, I asked him. I said, "What do you want to do? Do you want to live?" And uh, he said, "Yeah." I said, "Well, this is how we're going to do it. You know, here's my responsibilities. I'm I'm going to be responsible for setting times for us. We're going to negotiate the time to meet." We're going to go through this big book, you know, right from the first page all the way through it, nice and slow. You know, we're going to talk about what we're reading. We're going to ask the Google Assistant to uh, define what that word concede means on page 30, which is, you know, there's, there's step one and then there's the first step, right, on page 30. And it says, we learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we're alcoholic and we cannot drink like other people. We learned that we had to, this is a must, fully concede. Well, what does concede mean anyway? Well, it means to admit that something is true or valid after first denying and resisting it. To admit that something is true or valid after first denying. And I, I was always denying and resisting that I had a problem. I'm not as bad as those guys. He's got no teeth. You know, he's lost everything. I, you know, anyway, I conceded that I was alcoholic. I can't drink like those other people. Can't drink like Lori. She has a, one glass. She doesn't finish it. We get up to leave. I go, hey, you didn't finish your drink. She's oh, no. I was like, Lori, you're doing it wrong. You know, and uh, this is a normal person. I am not normal. That's the first step. So if, before I admit that I'm an alcoholic, I got to know what an alcoholic is. So concede, admit, then surrender. So now I'm I'm helping men one after another, and 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 I've seen these men help other men, and then I've seen those men help other men, 
And what, what a beautiful thing to see recovery go that, go that way. Hey, Josh. And um, so, and Bill writes about it, right? In, uh, in the big book. It's amazing these words when you, when when we break it down. Chapter seven, working with others, it says right here says uh, practical experience shows that nothing, nothing, nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. Practical experience. So these these people are writing from experience. And they're saying nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcohols. Nothing like going to meetings, being a greeter, making the coffee, doing service. Nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work. So it is intense. Like it's 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 uh, working with others or being a pathfinder is inconvenient. And service is supposed to be inconvenient. It works when other activities fail. It, sponsorship, pathfindership, works when other activities fail. Carry this message to other alcoholics. You can help me. You can help when no one else can. No one? Like the doctors, the lawyers, the psychiatrists, the bosses, the, the spouses pleading. Please stop. You're killing us. You can help when no one else can. You can secure their confidence when others fail. So, and I've seen this, you know, I'm talking to a complete stranger just about, and within some minutes, they're trusting me and telling me the things that they cannot tell other people. And I remember my, my sponsor told me this once. He says, Norm, you tell your your pathfinder, the things that you cannot tell other people. And it's, and here's, you know, this book's full of promises, right? Like everywhere. And here's, here's a promise. I'm going to leave you with this page 89. Life will take on a new meaning. Like there's, there's meaning and purpose in my life, right? Work, family, but being responsible for another to help someone save their life while you're saving your own life. That's a new meaning. And to watch people recover, to see them help others, and to watch loneliness vanish, to see a fellowship, here we are, a fellowship grow up around us. To have a host of friends, this is an experience you must not miss. We know you will not want to miss, miss it and frequent contact with newcomers and each other is the bright spot of our lives. I put four stars and a yes next to that in my big book. So um, th this is how I'm going to wrap up uh, Pathfindership. You know, uh, I mentioned that sometimes it's good for the other person and sometimes they're just not ready. But it's always good for me regardless of the outcome for the other person, because uh, it keeps me in the big book. It keeps me reading it because we're spending time to read the big book together. And it keeps me going to meetings because 
these men call me and say, hey, Norm, we're going to go to a meeting tonight. I'm like, okay, we'll go to a meeting. So now I'm doing more meetings. And then it keeps me calling my sponsor because sometimes I don't know what to do or what to say to these men. So we'll get on a, a three-way call. Like, we're going to call Mark right now and then tell Mark this thing. And he gives the, the spiritual answer and, and I learn. We all learn. And it keeps me praying and meditating because, you know, I'm telling them, like, did you, did you pray and meditate before calling me on this thing? So, you know, I got to do it too. And um, so that's pathfindership. Uh, it's beautiful. And I highly recommend it. And it is not hard to do. It's not. We're just going to read the big book together, pray together, go to meetings together, and uh, and help save each other's lives. I'm Norm Charette. Thank you very much. Merci beaucoup.